Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course of Miracles daily reading conference call. We are in the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, published by our very dear friends of the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE, that's A-C-I-M-O-E. Also, at that website, there's a tab called Lesson Sign-Up, where you can sign up to receive a daily excellent email, including both the lesson as well as text reading for the day. Uh, my name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And today we uh, read the Rousing Conclusion of Chapter 29, The Awakening, with Section 10, The Forgiving Dream forgiving dream and we're also mindful of our lesson 312 uh, which is I see all things as I would have them be the uh, logical pair to yesterday's lesson 311 I judge all things as I would have them be and by way of opening this morning I'd love to share this poem it's been variously attributed um, but it turns out it comes from a very old work by a fellow named Hakim Sinai. And the poem is called The Way to You. The way to you lies clearly in my heart and cannot be seen or known to the mind. As my words turn to silence, your sweetness surrounds me. And from there, I see all things as I would have them be. Mm. That last part, of course, is from our lesson. And uh, hints to the way uh, we can see truly. The way to you lies clearly in my heart and cannot be seen or known to mind. As my words turn to silence, your sweetness surrounds me. Amen. Thanks for that. Thank you. That was so sweet, Lori. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. That was lovely. Amen. Yeah. What can you say? That's right. That's right. Thanks, you guys. I sure hope you can't hear my squeaky chair or find it a distraction. <laughs> but anyway, here's our reading list this morning. We have Lemoyne, Robin Marie, Fran, Jennifer, Karen, and Harrison. And Lana's with us listening this morning. And does anyone else come along that would like to say good morning or be on the reading list? Good morning. Uh, it's Jessica, and I would love to read. Very excellent. Thanks, Jessica. Thank I've been thinking about you. Okie doke. I always love the last sections because they're sort of like a crescendo to the chapter. And uh, and that's what I find here in The Awakening, Chapter 29, with Section 10, The Forgiving Dream. Starting at paragraph 61, the slave of idols is a willing slave. For willing he must be to let himself bow down in worship to what has no life and seek for power in the powerless. 
what happened to the Holy Son of God that this could be his wish to let himself fall lower than the stones upon the ground and look to idols that they raise him up. Hear then your story and the dream you made and ask yourself, if it not be the truth that you believe that it is not a dream? A dream of judgment came into the mind that God created perfect as himself. And in that dream was heaven changed to hell and God made enemy unto his son. Oh boy. Chapter 29, The Awakening, Section 10, The Forgiving Dream. The slave of idols is a willing slave, for willing he must be to let himself bow down and worship to what has no life and seek for power in the powerless. <clears throat> what happened to the Holy Son of God that this could be his wish? To let himself fall lower than the stones upon the ground and look to idols that they raise him up. Hear then your story in the dream you made and ask yourself if it be not the truth that you believe that it is not a dream. A dream of judgment came into the mind that God created perfect as himself. And in that dream was heaven changed to hell and God an enemy unto his son. How can God's son awaken from the dream? It is a dream of judgment. So must he judge not and he will waken. For the dream will seem to last while he is part of it. Judge not for he who judges will have need of idols which will hold the judgment off from resting on himself. Nor can he know the self he has condemned. Judge not because you made you make, excuse me, judge not because you make yourself a part of evil dreams where your idols are your true identity. In quotes, true. Let me, just, let me just try this again. Judge not, because you make yourself a part of evil dreams where idols are your quote-unquote true identity and your salvation from the judgment laid in terror and in guilt upon yourself. Thank you. Thank you, Lemoyne. Uh, Robin Marie. Sixty-two, how can God's Son awaken from the dream? It is a dream of judgment. So must he judge not, and he will awaken. For the dream will seem to last while he is part of it. Judge not, for he who judges will have need of idols, which will hold the judgment off from resting on himself. Nor can he know the capital self he has condemned. Judge not, because you make yourself a part of evil dreams, where idols are your, quote, true, unquote, identity, and your salvation from the judgment laid in terror 
and in guilt upon yourself. 63. All figures in the dream are idols made to save you from the dream, yet they are part of what they have been made to save you from. Thus does an idol keep the dream alive and terrible, for who could wish for one unless he were in terror and despair? And this is and this the idol represents. And so its worship is the worship of despair and terror and the dream from which they come. Judgment is an injustice to God's Son, and it is just. Judgment is an injustice to God's Son, and it is justice that who judges him will not escape the penalty he laid upon himself within the dream he made. God knows of justice, not of penalty. But in the dream of judgment, you attack and are condemned and wish to be the slave of idols, which are interposed between your judgment and the penalty it brings. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Fran. 63. All figures in the dream are idols made to save you from the dream. Yet they are part. Yet they are part of what they have been made to save you from. Thus does an idol keep the dream alive and terrible. For who could wish for one unless he were in terror and despair? And this the idol represents. And so its worship is the worship of despair and terror and the dream from which they come. Judgment is an injustice to God's son. And it is justice that who judges him will not escape the penalty he laid upon himself within the dream he made. God knows of justice, not of penalty. But in the dream of judgment, you attack and are condemned and wish to be the slave of idols which are interposed between your judgment and the penalty it brings. 64. There can be no salvation in the dream as you are dreaming it. For idols must be part of it to save you from what you believe you have accomplished and have done to make you sinful and put out the light within you. Little children, it is there. You do but dream. And idols are the toys you dream you play with. Who has need of toys but children? They pretend they rule the world and give their toys the power to move about and talk and think and feel and speak for them. Yet everything their toys appear to do is in the minds of those who play with them. But they are eager to forget that they made up the dream in which their toys are real, nor recognize their wishes are their own. Thank you, Fran. And Jennifer. There can be no salvation in a dream as you are dreaming it. For idols must be part of it to save you from what you believe you have accomplished and have done to make you sinful and put out the light within you. Little children, it is there. You do not, you do but dream. And idols are the toys you dream you play with. 
Who has need of toys but children? They pretend they rule the world and give their toys the power to move about and talk and think and feel and speak for, for them. Yet everything their toys appear to do is in the minds of those who play with them. But they are eager to forget that they made up the dream in which the toys are real, nor recognize their wishes are their own. 65. Nightmares are childish dreams. The toys have turned against the child who thought he made them real. Yet can a dream attack? Or can a toy grow large and dangerous and fierce and wild? It does the child believe because he fears his thoughts and gives them to the toys instead. And the reality becomes his own because they seem to save him from his thoughts. Yet do they keep his thoughts alive? and real, but seen outside himself, where they can turn against him for his treachery to them. He thinks he needs them that he may escape his thoughts because he thinks the thoughts are real. And so he makes of anything a toy to make his world remain outside himself and play that he is but a part of it. Thank you, Jennifer. I'm Karen. 65. Nightmares are childish dreams. The toys have turned against the child who thought he made them real. Yet can a dream attack? Or can a toy grow large and dangerous and fierce and wild? This does the child believe, because he fears his thoughts and gives them to his toys instead, and their reality becomes his own, because they seem to save him from his thoughts. Yet do they keep his thoughts alive and real, but seen outside himself? where they can turn against him for his treachery to them. He thinks he needs them, that he may escape his thoughts, because he thinks the thoughts are real. And so he makes of anything a toy to make his world remain outside himself and play that he is but a part of it. There is a time when childhood should be past and gone forever. Seek not to retain the toys of children. Put them all away, for you have need of them no more. The dream of judgment is a child's game in which the child becomes the father, powerful, but with the little wisdom of a child. What hurts him is destroyed. What helps him, blessed. Except he judges this as does a child who does not know what hurts and what will heal. And bad things seem to happen, and he is afraid of all the chaos 
in a world he thinks is governed by the laws he made. Yet is the real world unaffected by the world he thinks is real. Nor have its laws been changed because he did not understand. Thank you, Karen. And Harrison. There is a time when childhood should be past and gone forever. Seek not to retain the toys of children. Put them all away, for you have need of them no more. The dream of judgment is a children's game in which the child becomes the father, powerful, but with little wisdom of a child. What hurts him is destroyed. What helps him, blessed. Except he judges this as does a child who does not know what hurts and what will heal. And bad things seem to happen, and he is afraid of all chaos in the world. He thinks it's governed by the laws he made. Yet is the real world unaffected by the world he thinks is real nor have his laws been changed because he did not understand. 67. The real world still is but a dream, except the figures have been changed. They are not seen as idols which betray. It is a dream in which no one is used to substitute for something else, nor interposed between the thoughts the mind conceives and what it sees. No one is used for something he is not. For childish things have all been put away. And what was once a dream of judgment now has changed into a dream where all is joy. Because that is the purpose which it has. Only forgiving dreams can interfere, for time is almost over. And the forms which enter in the dream are now perceived as brothers, not in judgment, but in love. Thank you, Harrison. And Jessica. 67. The real world still is but a dream, except the figures have been changed. They are not seen as idols which betray. It is a dream in which no one is used 
to substitute for something else, nor interpose between the thoughts the mind conceives and what it sees. No one is used for something he is not, for childish things have been all put away have all been put away. And what was once a dream of judgment now has changed into a dream where all is joy, because that is the purpose which it has. Only forgiving dreams can enter here, for time is almost over. And the forms which enter in the dream are now perceived as brothers, not in judgment. Forgiving dreams have little need to last. They are not made to separate the mind from what it thinks. They do not seek to prove the dream is being dreamed by someone else. And in these dreams, a melody is heard, which everyone remembers, though he has not heard it since before all time began. Forgiveness, once complete, brings timelessness so close the song of heaven can be heard, not with the ears, but with the holiness which never left the altar which abides forever deep within the Son of God. And when he hears this song again, he knows he never heard it not. And where is time when dreams of judgment have been put away? Thank you, Jessica. Is there a new reader for 68 and 69? This is Sandra. I can read. Thank you, Sandra. Forgiving dreams have little need to last. They are not made to separate the mind from what it thinks. They do not seek to prove the dream is being dreamed by someone else. And in these dreams, a melody is heard, which everyone remembers, though he has not heard it since before all time began. Forgiveness, once complete, brings timelessness so close the song of heaven can be heard, not with ears, but with holiness, which never left the altar which abides forever deep within the Son of God. And when he hears this this song again, he knows he never heard it not. And where is time when dreams of judgment have been put away? 69. Whenever you feel fear in any form and you are fearful if you do not feel a deep content, a certainty of help, a calm assurance, heaven goes with you. Be sure you made an idol and believe it will betray you. For beneath your hope that it will save you lie the guilt and pain of self-betrayal and uncertainty so deep and bitter that the dream cannot conceal completely all your sense of doom. Your self-betrayal must result in fear. For fear is judgment leading surely to the frantic search for idols and for death. 
Thank you, Sandra. And is there another new reader for 69 and 70? New reader for 69 and 70? Okay, back to you, Lemoyne. Whenever you feel fear in any form and you are fearful, if you do not feel a deep content, a certainty of help, a calm assurance heaven goes with you, be sure you made an idol and believe it will betray you. For beneath its hope, beneath your hope that it will save you, lies the guilt and pain of self-betrayal and uncertainty, so deep and bitter that the dream cannot conceal completely all your sense of doom. Your self-betrayal must result in fear, or fear is judgment, leading surely to the frantic search for idols and for death. Forgiving dreams remind you that you live in safety and have not attacked yourself. So do your childish terrors melt away and dreams become a sign that you have made a new beginning, not another try to worship idols and to keep attack. Forgiving dreams are kind to everyone who figures in the dream. And so they bring the dreamer full release from dreams of fear. He does not fear his judgment, for he has judged no one, nor has sought to be released through judgment from what judgment must impose. And all the while, he is remembering what he forgot when judgment seemed to be the way to save him from its own penalty. Thank you, Lemoyne. I'm Robin Marie. Seventy. Forgiving dreams remind you that you live in safety and have not attacked yourself. So do your childish terrors melt away and dreams become a sign that you have made a new beginning not another try to worship idols and to keep attack. Forgiving dreams are kind to everyone who figures in the dream, and so they bring the dreamer full release from dreams of fear. He does not fear his judgment, for he has judged no one, nor has sought to be released through judgment from what judgment must impose. And all the while, he is remembering what he forgot when judgment seemed to be the way to save him from its penalty. Thank you, Robin Marie. And boy, oh boy, I don't know that I can... I I can't... um, 
I can't pick just one idea out of here to summarize. Um, but I wonder, would we like to, we have time before the top of the hour. Um, would it be perhaps even musical if we did it in reverse order, one paragraph at a time? Yes. Well, that, that sounds great. That's why. That's what I thought too. Sure. We're two sure. readers. We're we're two readers short, um, but maybe we'll find two as we go along to um, to make up the full ten. So in reverse order, then uh, the list goes like this. Uh, we'll try and just kind of click it off automatically, okay? In reverse order, it would be uh, Sandra, Jessica, Harrison, Karen, Jennifer, Fran. Robin Marie Lemoyne, and I'll put myself there, and then we'll just need one more. Okay, uh, so let's uh, commence then uh, one paragraph at a time in that order, uh, starting with paragraph uh, six. You want go, Sandra? Chapter twenty, Awakening, Part Ten: The Forgiving Dream, sixty-one. A slave of idols is, wi- is a willing slave, for willing he must be to let himself bow down in worship to what has no life and seek for power in the powerless. What happened to the Holy Son of God that this could be his wish, to let himself fall lower than the stones upon the ground and look to idols that they raise him up? Hear then your story in the dream you made and ask yourself if it be not the truth that you believe that it is not a dream. A dream of judgment came into the mind that God created perfect as himself and in that dream was heaven changed to hell and God made enemy unto his son. 62. How can God awaken from the dream? It is a dream of judgment. So must he judge not, and he will waken. For the dream will seem to last while he is part of it. Judge not, for he who judges will have need of idols, which will hold the judgment off from resting on himself. Nor can he know the self he has condemned. Judge not because you make yourself a part of evil dreams where idols are your, quote, true identity and your salvation from the judgment laid in terror and in guilt upon yourself. All figures in the dream idols made to save you from the dream. Yet they are part of what they have been made to save you from. Thus does an idol keep the dream alive and terrible. For who could wish for one unless he were in terror and despair and this the idol represents. And so its worship is the worship of despair and terror. 
and the dream from which they come. Judgment is an injustice to God's Son, and it is justice that who judges him will not escape the penalty he laid upon himself within the dream he made. God knows of justice, not a penalty, but in the dream of judgment, you attack and are condemned and wish to be the slave of idols, which are interposed between your judgment and the penalty it brings. There can be no salvation in the dream as you are dreaming it. For idols must be part of it to save you from what you believe you have accomplished and have done to make you sinful and put out the light within you. Little children, it is there. You do but dream. And idols are the toys you dream you play with. Who has need of toys but children? They pretend they, war- they pretend they rule the world and give their toys the power to move back, move about and talk and think and feel and speak for them. Yet everything their toys appear to do is in the minds of those who play with them. But they are eager to forget that they made up the dream in which their toys are real, nor recognize their wishes are their own. Nightmares are childish dreams. The toys have turned against the child who thought he made them real. Yet can a dream attack? Or can a toy grow large and dangerous and fierce and wild? This does the child believe because he fears his thoughts and gives them to the toys instead. And there, reality becomes his own because they seem to save him from his thoughts. Yet do you keep his thoughts alive and real but seen outside himself? where they can turn against him for his treachery to them. He thinks he needs them, that he may escape his thoughts, because he thinks the the thoughts are real. And so he makes of anything a toy to make his world remain outside himself and play that he is but a part of it. my turn yes it is friend <laughs> sorry no problem 66 there is a time when childhood should be passed and gone forever seek not to retain the toys of children put them all away for you have need of them no more the dream of judgment is a children's game in which the child becomes the father 
powerful, but with the little wisdom of a child. What hurts him is destroyed. What helps him? Blessed. Except he judges this as does a child, who does not know what hurts and what will heal. And bad things seem to happen. And he is afraid of all the chaos in the world he thinks is governed by the laws he made. Yet is the real world unaffected by the world he thinks is real. Nor have its laws been changed because he did not understand. The real world still is but a dream except the figures have been changed. They are not seen as idols which betray. It is a dream in which no one is used to substitute for something else, nor interpose between the thoughts the mind conceives, conceives and what it sees. No one is used for something he is not, for childish things have all been put away. And what was once a dream of judgment, now has changed into a dream where all is joy, because that is the purpose which it has. Only forgiving dreams can enter here, for time is almost over, and the forms which enter in the dream are now perceived as brothers, not in judgment, but in love. Forgiving dreams have little need to last. They are not made to separate the mind from what it thinks. They do not seek to prove the dream is being dreamed by someone else. And in these dreams, a melody is heard, which everyone remembers, though he has not heard it since before all time began. Forgiveness once complete, brings timelessness so close the song of heaven can be heard, not with the ears, but with the holiness which never left the altar which abides forever deep within the Son of God. And when he hears this song again, he knows he never heard it not. And where is time? when dreams of judgment have been put away. Whenever you feel fear in any form, and you are fearful if you do not feel a deep content, a certainty of help, a calm assurance, heaven goes with you, be sure you made an idol and believe it will betray you. For beneath your hope that it will save you, lie the guilt and pain of self-betrayal and uncertainty so deep and bitter that the dream cannot conceal completely all your sense of doom. Your self-betrayal must result in fear, for fear is judgment, leading surely to the frantic search for idols and for death. Anyone um, who hasn't read like to do paragraph 70? I can read now, Laurie. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Forgiving dreams remind you that you live in safety and have not attacked yourself. 
So do your childish terrors melt away, and dreams become a sign that you have made a new beginning. Not another try to worship idols and to keep attacked. Forgiving dreams are kind to everyone who figures in the dream. And so they bring the dreamer full release from dreams of fear. He does not fear his judgment, for he has judged no one, nor has sought to be released through judgment from what judgment must impose. And all the while, he is remembering what he forgot when judgment seemed to be the way to save him from its penalty. Gorgeous. Thank you, Lana. And thank you, everyone, who who, um, who read that as one piece. I just loved hearing it that way. And, um, boy, we just are perfectly at the top of the hour. Uh, so, Fran, would you go ahead and and give us a lead here this morning as we look at our lesson and what is uh, the last judgment, please? Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook and the theme that we're on now, what is the last judgment? And today's lesson is lesson 312. I see all things as I would have them be. So I shall read some from what is the last judgment, then we'll go over to our lesson and do our five-minute meditation. Okay, what is the last judgment? The final judgment on the world contains no condemnation, for it sees the world as totally forgiven, without sin and wholly purposeless. Without a cause and now without a function in Christ's sight, it merely slips away to nothingness. There it was born, and there it ends as well. And all the figures in the dream in which the world began to go with. Bodies now are useless, and will therefore fade away, because the Son of God is limitless. You who believe that God's last judgment would condemn the world to hell, along with you, accept this holy truth. God's judgment is the gift of the correction he bestowed on all your errors freeing you from them and all effects they ever seem to have. To fear God's saving grace is but to fear complete release from suffering, return to peace, security and happiness, and union with your own identity. Now we'll go over to the lesson. Lesson 312. I see all things as I would have them be. Perception follows judgment. Having judged, you therefore see what you would look upon. Provision merely serves to offer you what you would have. It is impossible to overlook what you would see and fail to see what you have chosen to behold. How surely, therefore, must the real world come to greet the holy sight of anyone who takes the Holy Spirit's purpose as his goal for seeing? And he cannot fail to look upon what Christ would have him see and share Christ's love for what he looks upon. I have no purpose for today except to look upon a liberated world that's free from all the judgments I have made. Father, 
This is your will for me today, and therefore it must be my goal as well. Lesson 312, I see all things as I would have them be. Five minutes.
Lesson 312, I see all things as I would have them be. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friends. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, guys. Did you want to say something about the lesson, Fran? I just think it's interesting how the lesson before was I judge all things as I would have them be. And this one is I see all things as I would have them be. So I'm anxious to get to the next one and see what the answer to this is. (laughs) And uh, perfect when he says perception follows judgment. Having judged, you therefore see what you would look upon. Wow. I'm complete. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. It is illuminating, isn't it? Um, totally. Yeah, I love these I love these three lessons. They really um boy, they just take me um to a whole different place. I, I, I was doing a lesson this morning and and I was reminded, um Remember in The Wizard of Oz, you know, there were those three characters, the Tin Man without the heart and the lion who liked courage and uh, the scarecrow who wasn't a very clear thinker. I I was reminded of the way that whole dream or that movie or whatever unfolded um, with a terrible event and here she is in a different place surrounded by strange characters and enemies and and uh, companions uh, that have needs. Well, anyway, when she finds herself back home again, here's these three guys that look somewhat like the characters in the dream. And they're all leaning in the window, wishing her well and blessing her and uh, warmly greeting her return or waking, you know. I'm thinking that's just exactly... Uh, how this lesson works. We we aren't told, you know, that Dorothy uh, judged the character. I forget his name. The names, you know, are are kind of obscure in the story, too. But um, we're not told how she made those judgments or arrived at those judgments, only the results of the judgments in the dream. The lack, the absence the seeming lack, the seeming absence um, of elements that these characters lacked. In point of fact, in real life, they didn't at all. So uh, the story is just a perfectly elegant way of representing how I judge all things I would see as a consequence of the judgments, or I judge everything I see as a consequence of the judgments. I see as I have judged. Um, neither neither uh, lesson speaks. Um, I mean, when we see how judgment works and how perception follows judgment, um, you're right. 
we really need the remedy in 313. Now let a new perception come to me, which is also reflected in our reading today. And that's about all I want to say right now. Um, thank you, friend. Thank you, Lori. Oh, thank you. That was beautiful. I mean, that analogy was gold. Uh, this is Jennifer. Um, I don't mean to come in and not allow other people to thank Lori, um, but I wanted to just um, on the reading today um, point out on 69, whenever you feel fear in any form and you are fearful, if you do not feel deep content or certainty of health, a calm assurance, heaven goes with you, be sure you made an idol and believe it will betray you. So these are all pointers for me throughout my day to guide me to go back in. Um, I have two more things I want to say. Um, and I'll, uh, going back in might look like I pick up the Course in Miracles book, my lesson to guide me back inwards. And really what I'm learning right now is inwards is the heart going in the heart and then it's connecting to the mind and then that that little child can take a seat and and the Christ within me which is I call the adult right the real me shows up through through this practice and and a few others I do because I'm creative just like everybody else here in their own way. But I wanted to share that um, yesterday I was putting my hands, uh, my thumbs, like my hands in a prayer position, and my thumbs were touching my sternum. Now, this is an old way of praying, Catholic, of, I don't know, all these different Christian praying to God. You, you get on your knees um, or you don't, but you put your, you the prayer, the the prayer hand of Buddhism, I believe. And I thought, oh, my God, I had this huge insight. And I wanted to share with you <clears throat> that when I put my hands in that position, just in front of the sternum, the heart, <clears throat> my thumbs are touching, but the rest of the, my fingers are pointing towards my mind, my head. So it's like a kinesthetic wake-up, open door. Um, kinesthetic it is and you know I'm <clears throat> physically opening my body to my heart my heart to my mind and, and another thing I wanted to say real quickly was um, <clears throat> I went to a Halloween party and this young woman of uh, LDS I think she's going through trying to change her she identifies as a wanting to be a male opposed to being a female and so she's got a lot of things going on as a young woman and or make well male now and um but she really likes me and she um uh i see her kind of like the uh i think it's a scarecrow i don't think uh is lacking a lot of confidence but there was another part of me that said no Look who you're hanging out with. All the, the people that you're, look at your girlfriend. Look at, 
these are powerful people who remember who they are enough. And so I just, um, <clears throat> it's really fun now, uh, now that I'm a part of this, these uh, Course in Miracles, Course of Love, and over time, that uh, uh, now, like Sweet Patricia says, who comes in these calls, um, we're elders. We're here to support those that are still trying to become awake. And um, anyways, uh, just uh, thank you, everybody, and, and uh, embrace the fear and go back into the lie. I'm complete. Thanks, Jennifer. And thank you for sharing so much of your practice. I really appreciate yeah. that. Thank you, Jennifer. Thanks, Jennifer. It's Robin Marie here. I had an experience uh, recently, this morning. <laughs> um, as I was telling Lori, the bear got into our garbage can, and um, I had taken it out to the road last night. And my son explained to me kind of a little bit, like not angry, but just very authoritative that he was doing that uh, in the mornings in the truck and he had a, a method to do it. And this morning he texted me and he said that the bear had gotten in the garbage and he picked most of it up and don't pick the stuff up, up by the mailbox, but the thing that I wanted to say is, like, I realize that I have given, you know, I give authority to people when I shouldn't, coming from a family where the man in the family was very powerful and could make things happen um, against other people's will. And so I realized this morning how thankful I was that my son was able to explain to me what he needed in a way that was respectful, not authoritative, really kind, and um, that he has learned how to use his abilities to get people to hear what he has to say. So I'm just thankful and rejoicing at a maturity in my son that is so needed in the world. And anyway, thanks for being a blessing, everybody. Oh, thank you, Robin Marie. Thanks, Robin Marie. That was nice to hear. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Robin Marie. That was sweet. Thank, thank you, Robin you. Marie. This is Jessica. Um, I love the reference to the Wizard of Oz. Um, I I was thinking about the fact that 
you know, the scarecrow and the tin man and the lion are also um, projections of parts of Dorothy and parts of ourselves. Um, you know, we the judgment that we make on others, we seem to make, or at least I speak for myself, most harshly make of myself. You know, oh, if I only had a brain. <laughs> I just am such a dum-dum sometimes, you know, or this or that. Or like, why am I such a chicken shit about stuff? Or um, let's see, what's the third one? Um, I can't think of it right now. But, um, you know, there, there's, um, I, I have a bookshelf downstairs in my living room filled with a Frank L. Baum books that belonged to my grandfather. And, you know, it, it makes me, um, sorry, I'm a little distracted. It makes me feel um, like I should probably read those books because there's probably more wisdom in there, you know. Um, and just the amazing, incredible illumination that, that is walking around in human beings because we are holy, you know, and we have wisdom of of the ages in us and comes out most of the time in creativity. And people who appear to be maybe not that smart or not that brave or not that what the last thing was, I probably should look into that one, um, are actually um, incredibly wise or incredibly courageous in some aspect. And the same is true for me. You know, I, um, and I just want to make, for some reason, this, this little piece of paragraph 63 is just such a beautiful example of Jesus's way of expressing himself and clarifying things for us because we need it expressed and clarified over and over again from every different vantage point in order to get this illusion and understand what it's about. Uh, at the end of the paragraph, he says, he's talking about um, our wish to be the slave of idols, which are interposed between our judgment and the penalty it brings. So the idols... Um, we make the judgment and then the idols are there in between the judgment and the penalty that the judgment brings. Um, it, that's just a really rich concept right there. I think I can meditate on that for like the rest of my life. <laughs> Thank you. I'm complete. Oh, boy. That was really excellent, Jessica. Thank you for highlighting that. Oh, it sure was, Jessica. Thank you. Ditto that. I thought that was excellent. <laughs> Holy moly. I was blind. Now I can see. Good morning, guys. It's Jude. Thank you all for reading. That, that one paragraph, really, you know, it's sort of like... Um, it's sort of like encapsulated the whole of the dream, Judy and the dream, and Judy's projection of all all her hidden secret hates of herself and 
guilt projected upon the world and how everybody is me and my dream and it's my dream and everybody else is awake. Um, I'm the only one that doesn't know I'm, I'm, I'm in the dream. Um, that, you know, this dream is, is the whole of what I keep between me and God. You know, this is my idol of my reality. And I think this morning, you know, it really just became clear to me how it's not just one thing, it's everything. It's the whole dream that is between me and God. And um, that's what waking up is, is about to me, you know, that, you know, God's never absent, that this calm beautiful, you know, peace and joy and happiness goes with me wherever I go. And only I can deny that in any second, any minute, anywhere, any place, any time of the day, you know. But that that's something that I can, I can, can do any time, you know. And, and, you know, the Course speaks of this, that we were in this dream world, but we think we think it's real. And the seeming horror of its realness, that we think it's real, that it's so scary. And I remember watching <laughs> that Wizard of Oz movie the very first time I saw it and pulling my legs up onto the couch because I thought something under the couch was going to get me. <laughs> this is what fear is about in this dream world. You know, we think something's going to get us going to attack us, going to hurt us, when it's all only a projection in the one mind of God. And none of it's, none of it's harmful. It's merely a dream. To wake up from the dream, it's just a dream. And, you know, row, row, row your boat. Go gently. The whole long and short of it is, you know, the, the, um, the characteristics being those characteristics is what um, reminds me of who I am, how God created me. The the teachers being a teacher of God. If, you know, I want to learn what I'm going to teach. I'm going to teach what I want to learn, and it's all those qualities. There's such beautiful qualities, and you know, it's not hard. It's it seems to me the most natural thing in the world. After I recognized and realized what I was, you know, it's like sure it's a lot easier um, to be gentle and kind and and tolerant and um, patient you know, that we we are these things simply are these things and um, it's only a dream that we're not trying to become these things some ideal of these things this becoming and striving when all I need to do is relax Relax, relax, relax. So I'm, I'm thrilled, as usual, enjoy, and um, enough attitude. Thank you so much for being here, guys. I love you. I am complete. Thank you, Judy. It was a nice walk. Thank you, Judy. Love you, too. Thank you, Judy. That was nice. Thanks, Jude. This is Sandra. And I see all things as I would have them be. 
and I see all things as I would judge them, would have, I judge all things as I would have them be as well. Um, and that for me, in the reading of this lesson in the text, is, is all about the power of decision. I'm responsible for the world I see through my power of decision. My will will determine my perception. Am I going to will to see the, the world the way God sees the world and see myself the way God sees me and see my brothers and sisters the way God sees us? Or am I going to override God's vision and put in my own which is sorely lacking because I cannot see the whole picture. I have attributes of God I can create, but I'm not God. Only God can see the whole picture. And it talked in the, the, uh, in the text, it talked about betraying myself. So when I see the world from a victim uh, perspective, um, victim victimizer, a world of good and evil, then I'm betraying myself. And there's only one, the only uh, solution is to forgive myself and to forgive the world for believing the lies and seeing myself as a victim. And I can forgive myself and define myself the way God defines me as perfect and healed and whole and holy. So this is all about what am I choosing to do? I have options. And I'm choosing to forgive the world I see and to be happy. I'm complete. Amen. Thank you so much. Yeah. Very sweet and simple. Yeah. Good morning, Karen. I don't know. I'm going back a little bit to some of the earlier readings. Um, This chapter has told us that we are complete and we are everything. And there is nothing in the outside world we need. And um, that heaven is within. And uh, I woke up in the middle of the night. I was meditating and I was thinking about this beautiful crepe myrtle tree that I have on the corner of my property. And it had these really big um, bulbs of seeds and it was hitting the house because it was so windy, so I trimmed it. And about four or five days later, it looks like the tree is dying. And in the middle of the night, I just was like, oh, I was so overwhelmed with sadness and guilt. Like, oh, my God, I shouldn't have cut that tree because it really didn't open up those pods and hadn't let go of the seeds. And it was just such a strong emotion of feeling guilt and sadness. And um, I was in conversation with someone yesterday, and I said something that triggered them, and they got really mad, and it was about the war in the Middle East, and 
And uh, the night before that, I was reading the news, and I shouldn't have been reading the news because, you know, there's politics. And even if I'm sitting there saying I'm not going to judge it, (laughs) I'm judging it. You know, it's undeniable that I am truly judging it. So as I was meditating in the middle of the night, it was as if my, my inner world was like a fist. And it was clamped down in contraction. And in order to open to the receptivity of the divine, which um, the Course has told us over and over, is our true and natural state. It's not God is outside of us, but God is our source. So we are one with God. We're not only one with God, but we are one with everything, everything. We're one with all of the things that we think we are separate from or choose to try to believe we are separate from, including the political person you hate and including, um, I don't know. Anyway, so I was so I was focused in meditation in the middle of the night on just opening and being receptive to the truth. And it was like there was a, a whole pocket full of, of guilt about the tree And then there was uh, fear about the war. And then there was fear about the political situation. And that contraction is our judgment. That's judgment. And the the lesson said to um, only hold, only share the Holy Spirit's purpose. What is the Holy Spirit's purpose is extension. The Holy Spirit's purpose is to be completely open and empty and let God flow through me. It's not up to me to judge or evaluate or decide on anything. If I hold, the, if I can hold myself open in the Holy Spirit's purpose and the Holy Spirit's goal, which is holiness and healing and truth, if I can hold myself wide open in that place, um, then I'm one with my Creator. There's nothing to fear. And Everything is okay because I'm part of everything. So I meditated for a while on being one with the tree, and I prayed for the tree. I went out this morning, and I put my hands on it and prayed for it. But that gets into another thing, um, just curious thing, is that if I feel like I have to pray for something, then it's my ego uh, believing there's a lack. You know, it's like believing there must be something wrong that needs to be addressed instead of being in the place where I'm open and God is taking care of everything. I'm in that free fall. I don't have to do anything. Everything is done through spirit. And I just have to be receptive and guided. Um, I love this chapter. I think this chapter is really one of the most important ones. Um, it's very challenging not to have judgment and fear with what's going on in the outer world and and to just hold that alignment that I'm here for the Holy Spirit's purpose. And I was also noticing, like, my problem seems to be all these emotions, like guilt and fear and, you know, sometimes irritation. I feel irritated about a lot of stuff. And today I was that's just my my ego's desire to be separate. And I need to offer that to the Holy Spirit 
instead of feeling like it's about something else, because sometimes I feel like it's about it's about something else, but it's really not. It's the ego wanting to be separate and judging. Um, anyway, there's always so much that comes through when I read this alone and meditate on it before the calls. Um, but that's just some of it. And thank you for letting me share that. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. I love the way you think. Free Thank hugger, you. <laughs> oh God, God, I love that. Thank you. Going back to the reading from yesterday, this this whole world is a world of idols. That the body is an idol. We made an idol out of ourselves by saying, "I am this body." God didn't create these bodies. The ego, ego created the bodies. And God doesn't even know that we're, we think we're in bodies. This is the dream. This is the dream, that we are bodies, that we are not bodies, that I am, I am the way the Holy Spirit tells me I am. I'm like the Holy Spirit. I'm spirit in the mind of God. The one voice of God, the one vision through the Holy Spirit, through which I am no longer blind, because I've practiced not looking through my body's eyes and seeing everybody as a body and thinking of everybody like the body Jude. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. This is not the reality. This is not what's real. And this is why the whole world of idols becomes one big, complete and total experiment in forgiveness. And what do I get through doing this experiment? I get universal peace of God. And this is what the Course promised me. And this is what I get. I get to be unequivocally, pretty much, you know, I'm not doing it perfectly yet, but the um, the, the lessons keep coming in the and the, the proof is in the pudding that I get peace. Peace through not judging it and saying, you know, I, there, there's really another way of looking at this. And simply to ju- let God judge it for me. How would God have me see this? Well, he'd say, you know, wake up. Wake up, wake up, wake up. You're at home in heaven. And home is where you want to be. You want to see my face, God's face, in everything, because I am everywhere and in everything. And everything's just perfect, and you don't have to worry about a thing, not a single itty-bitty little thing, not a worry, not a care, not a concern, because you are indestructible, absolutely immortal. You can't be hurt. You can't be touched. Nobody can hurt or touch anybody else except in a dream. But it's a dream. It's only a dream. It's a dream of violence, hate, attack, guilt, blame, shame. It's all a dream. And to wake up from that egoic thought system is what being restoring my mind to the thought system of God is all all this course teaches me. 
there's nothing to attack because it's not really happening. You're not really here, Jude. You think you're here. You're imagining an image of a body. From your own mind, you are imagining a body. I am the dreamer of my own dream. Imagine that. <laughs> That's what the Court is telling me. Uh, oh, enough out of Jude. I'm complete. Hi, everybody. Bye, everybody. <laughs> There's nobody here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Good morning, Mrs. Good morning, everyone. Just, oh, just, oh, just ahead, really son. quick. I, I think that um, we are addicted to the dream, which is our need to know something, which is our need to watch the news, <laughs> to read about the news, we just want to know something. And I don't know, for me, I don't need to know anything except what's in this book. Mm. I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra. Perfect. Thank you, Sandra. Yeah. I agree. When I start to appreciate what's on offer, um, it's not difficult to choose. Um, was that you, Harrison? Um, thanks for the party. Um, goodness, great shares. Uh, and uh, Sandra and Karen's shares especially. Um, uh, it's just magnified a thought in my mind uh, and uh, I thought about the um, local section that um, I call not sure the course calls it uh, the responsibility for sight um, is in the text in chapter 21. I'm responsible. I am responsible for what I see. I choose the feelings I experience. And I decided on the goal I would achieve. And everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for and receive as I have asked. When, um, like Karen, I think about what's going on in the world I'm so used to getting caught up in uh, the news of the day and the conflicts um, uh, militarily and politically that seem to exist in our world and uh, one simple little thought comes to mind. 
projection makes perception. It all starts in my mind. And what I perceive, what I think I see, is a result strictly of what's going on in my mind. I'm responsible for what I see. And there is nothing, nothing outside of what my thoughts are projecting for me to see. And if I go back and start with what I'm thinking and really take a good, hard, critical look at what I'm thinking moment to moment and take responsibility for those thoughts and recognize that there is nothing outside of my thoughts. That is the journey. That's the challenge for me. And I appreciate all of you for helping me with that process. I'm complete. Thank you, Harrison. I'm so glad to have heard that. <laughs> oh, me too. Thank you so much, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison. <laughs> Good morning. Is that Steve? Yeah, hi. Hi. I'm just, I'm driving under such a beautiful blue sky. It's cool, but in the sun, it's deliciously warm. And what's coming up for me is that in this moment, there's a joy. I'm experiencing it right now. And what I know is that there, nothing ever happened of consequence, including the birth of Jesus except in the present. When Moses was with the burning bush, it only happened in the present. Nothing ever happened for me in my understanding, except in the present. The future does not exist in the present. The past does not exist. In the, nothing exists except in this split moment right now and in this now the bliss the joy the connection that I have felt that I feel is right now and I don't push away 
the temporal as not being part of it. This body, I'm told by my tradition, is here for such a short time. And to make this day, give me the wisdom to let this day count right now. And the idea that the body goes even makes the now even more imperative. And one of the things that I've been practicing lately is to give my future thought of the future into the hands of God that is with me now. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Steve. I mm, feel that. I love the focus on the present moment. That was beautiful. Thank you, Steve. This instant is the only time there is. Thank you. And for me, it includes the trees and the world and my body and everything. There is no duality. Thank you. Or exclusion. Thank you. That's the goal. That's why we're giving up judgment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you remind me, Steve, that... Um, I made a note to myself uh, early on uh, before today's reading that I wanted to start with paragraph right before this section uh, because it's the setup, if you will. I'm going to read this paragraph because it is the setup for, um, or the backdrop, shall we say, for what the forgiving dream is set in. And that paragraph goes, God has not many sons, but only one. Who can have more and who can have less? In heaven would the Son of God but laugh if idols could intrude upon his peace. It is for him the Holy Spirit speaks and tells you, idols have no purpose here, for more than heaven can you never have. If heaven is within, why would you seek for idols which would make of heaven less to give you more than God bestowed upon your brother and on you as one with him. God gave you all there is. And to be sure you could not lose it, did he give the same to every living thing as well. And thus is every living thing a part of you as of himself. No idol can establish, no idol can establish you as more than God but you will never be content with being less. And so to arrive uh, at that level of radiant awareness, we must have a look at what mind does instead. <laughs> what mind does instead. Mind instead uh, um, judges and on the basis of judgment perceives and on the basis of perception, 
populates a world with characters and all of it involves a story of separation and attack by everything on everything grievance and betrayal and all sorts of plots uh, about what's going on the forgiving dream replaces all that the forgiving dream is a dream I'm going to go paragraph by paragraph and just tell you some impressions I have in paragraph 61 I highlight honestly ask yourself and there's a lot uh, I mean if you do a, a search um, using the app cocreatingclarity.com uh, you'll discover that there's a lot said about um, ask yourself ask yourself and be honest be very honest with yourself when I'm asked to give up judgment and I learned to give up judgment in the manual for teachers he says I have simply become more honest I've simply become more honest and if I honestly ask myself you know that's it's a me- it's a method uh, that some people use to meditate uh, the method is called the method of inquiry and I find it very useful and he's suggesting to me in that first paragraph that it's very useful if I honestly ask myself could what I believe be true and Harrison I was so grateful that you said perception uh, projection makes perception it's absolutely true projection makes perception one of the most useful quotes in the whole book to me and I've memorized it so I can recall when I need to honestly ask myself you see what you believe is there and you believe it's there because you want it there today's lesson hints at the power of choosing the power of recognizing I always have a choice I always always have a choice on what I want to see and what I want to hear he can't be more explicit than this when he says you can hear two voices and you can see in two ways one voice will and we all know what the ego voice tells I don't need to go through that once I recognize that's what that is that voice of shoulds and bads and condemnation and blame and grievance and attack once I recognize that I've gone a long way toward recognizing I have a choice of something different I don't have to live in that world I don't have to uh, see in that way I can hear a different voice the forgiving dream asked me in paragraph which one is it most explicit throughout explicitly recognize in paragraph 67 forgiving dreams are choosing a different purpose there's my choice there's my power of choice I can hear two voices I can see in two ways and when I accept the Holy Spirit's purpose that oh boy that's a meaty search if you ever look at that the word purpose in the search tool uh, because means and end are one 
the end of everything is holiness and love when I accept the purpose of holiness everything changes everything everything changes because I've made a choice in what I want to see and what I want to hear he says as foreseen you see what you believe is there and you believe it's there because you want it there you always choose a guide for seeing and in choosing the guide for seeing you look out or you look in and you choose the guide for seeing and once I choose the guide for seeing I'm given what I choose to see that's what he's talking about when he says in paragraph 65 I'm afraid of my thoughts I'm afraid of my thoughts and because I'm afraid of my thoughts I attribute them to something outside of myself that's how projection makes perception and I can reverse that by making a different choice just exactly like he says in paragraph 67 if I accept the Holy Spirit's purpose my thoughts will change remember that series of review lessons we did uh, back in part one of the workbook my mind holds only what I think with God remember how he said when you when you're not thinking with God you're not thinking <laughs> everything follows my thoughts just like you say Harrison it's all in my mind and everything follows my thoughts and the great good news is when I make a choice to see with the Holy Spirit to see with Christ's vision to hear one voice everything changes and now um, just like I just read in that paragraph that set this up in paragraph 60 everything I see is part of me I've talked before about the difference between the snapshot mind I find it really useful uh, to talk about images uh, the snapshot mind will take, an, take a picture and this is what this means and set it in an album and later look and oh yeah that's what that meant it's all a story in the picture the snapshot mind can't see doesn't perceive the reason that I took the picture in the first place I took the picture my true self took the picture of anything at any moment I took the picture because I was part of it it was intimate to me I was in it and it was valuable it was part of me and it was whole and direct as part of my experience I was in it okay that mind that mind is the mind that we're being asked to have that awareness all the time and he describes that awareness as a deep content a certainty of help and a calm assurance that heaven goes with you now I'm not seeing um, I'm not seeing a story I'm not seeing a snapshot a quick judgment of everything I'm seeing a whole I've talked before about um, the gift of the tide pool you know 
ego mind thinks it can manipulate the pieces in a tide pool, but the outcome of all that manipulation is disharmony, disconnection, um, uh, what do they call that? Disharmony, um, alienation, that's it. Alienation, nothing's part of me. And it doesn't work, it just doesn't work. I was reading a little book this morning called Radiance. You can get it free from GeoLake.com. But in that little book, she's talking about seeing with the light. And she, she, it was so cool the way she described it. I think I wrote it down. Yeah. Where did I write it down? Here. I wrote it down here. She said, um, just like objects in a painting belong to the canvas, not to each other. That's the way we're invited to see from a whole place, having accepted the Holy Spirit's purpose. And from there, he said, no one can even talk about the wide open lovely vistas that follow on forgiveness. But I can assure you, uh, my friends, uh, wide open vistas do follow. And, um, and it only takes, that's a quote too, it only takes one brother. He says, all it takes is one brother whom you see as wholly worthy of forgiveness for you to realize that everything is as intimate with you as is everything that belongs in a painting, intimate with the painting. That's what we're... Um, invited into by giving up judgment and accepting the Holy Spirit's purpose. The Holy Spirit's purpose is holiness and I can arrive there uh, by letting my judgments go and a new perception will follow. Um, I, I feel compelled. I don't know why. I hope it's valuable to someone. But um, this business of purpose is, is so important. Um, one year, I think it was in 2018, I, I went on a trip with my sisters, and my purpose of that trip was uh, to share with them some of the holy instants that I had experienced in a particular place. And so we're going there, and, and I've told the story before, you know, the parking lot was congested with uh, Sturgis rally goers and for a moment I thought I'm, I'm not going to be able to share this holiness but um, I resolved I, I resolved um, to share that purpose as we walked up this hill uh, I've never had a holy instant where all the beings there were holy at the same time that, that was different because um, ordinarily those instants are so personal and in the mind, you know, that you, you just, you know, they're unconveyable. But in this instant, it's as if, um, it's as if everything was suddenly helpful. I mean, everything, the rocks, the path, the hands, the people, um, that it was, um, it was a moment of shared praise of the creator of all heaven. And I knew in that moment that every soul there was singing the same song. Um, and it wasn't about the souls. It was about 
the creator of the souls and it was very loving and wonderful and I've never ever had another experience like it but I I didn't know but we can know that's what I'm trying to say we can know it's given us to know that we are so intimately connected to creation and creation is so intimately connected to us that we belong to each other we literally belong to each other and with that awareness um, by virtue of miracles that come from forgiving dreams um, I've, I've learned that all suffering and all pain comes to my mind when I try to pluck something out of that wholeness the unforgiving dream is when I try and take apart God's creation with a judgment and I need not do that and when I don't um, all I can say is that we do belong to each other God has one son this weekend I was counting up you know what day are we going to get to the lesson that talks about this and I think it comes this weekend the two lessons that that really bring this home uh, to my mind are the lessons all my brother's gifts belong to me belong is Lord and all that I give um, my brothers all gifts I give my brothers are my own that kind of intimacy with creation is the invitation of the forgiving dream and um, all of it all of it is a consequence of accepting God's judgment of myself instead of my own and when I accept God's judgment of myself it's unavoidable that I won't I won't be able to see um, unholiness or uh, alienation um, those won't cloud my experience unless I let them from time to time I do um, but they're of no consequence anymore to um, all that can be perceived and loved and that's what I wanted to say and I'm complete thank you that was great thank you Laurie thank, thank you Laurie thank you wonderfully said well how's that really challenging to accept God's judgment of myself instead of my own. I guess I've got no better. I'm complete. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Harrison. Oh. These, these last sections are always so great, aren't they? Um, anyway, that's um, that's probably a wrap. Let's see. I think I had a quote about this purpose that I wanted to close with. 
And I think it's in, yep, it's in 25, chapter 25, paragraph 23. To the extent that you value guilt, to that extent will you perceive a world in which attack is justified. To the extent to which you recognize that guilt is meaningless, to that extent will you perceive attack cannot be justified. This is vision's fundamental law. You see what you believe is there, and you believe it's there because you want it there. And that's the invitation of today's lesson. You know, uh, I can change what I want. Perception has no other law than this. The respite stems from this to hold it up and offer it support. This is perception's form adapted to this world of God's more basic law that love creates itself and nothing but itself. And add to that minds that are joined and recognize they are minds that are joined and that's the Holy Spirit's purpose and recognize they are can feel no guilt for they cannot attack and they rejoice that this is so seeing their safety in this happy fact. Their joy is in the innocence they see, and thus they seek for it. They seek for it. Remember, perception has no other law. You see what you believe is there, and you believe it's there because you want it there. I want something different. I want innocence. Everyone seeks for what will bring him joy as he defines it. It is not the aim as such that varies, yet it is is the way in which the aim is seen that makes the choice of means inevitable and beyond the hope of change unless the aim is changed. And then the means are chosen once again as what what will bring rejoicing is to find it another way and sought for differently. So when I accept the Holy Spirit's purpose, remember, I accept the Holy Spirit's purpose, the universal law of love and holiness. All the means are provided, the faith, the belief, and the vision. Um, And purpose unifies. It's very, very simple. Purpose unifies. Oh, there's so much more to say, but that's where we'll end the recording. And gee whiz, isn't it great that we can keep keep talking about these things? Uh, thank you.